I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Wynn waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, Ducker. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will give their week in review. They will finally have a Padres Twitter segment and all aboard the Blash Wagon. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your conductor this week, Danny Ortiz, alongside with my uh, what is that, locomotive engineer, Eric LeBou. Welcome back, Eric. Bring up the caboose on the blash wagon, my yes, friend. Yes, sir. We are back and ready to go. Another weekly episode of your brand-new favorite podcast, the 5.5 Podcast. Um, it's been a long week since the uh, All-Star break uh, stopped everything for a little while, but uh, we'll touch on that in a second. Eric, how have you been? No, you know, fine. <laughs> Just working and bullshit. What about you? Uh, I have been kind of working and a lot of bullshitting. So hopefully nobody uh, important is listening to this. Uh, but uh, back into Padre news. Yeah, a lot going on of late. Um, so we'll jump right into it. Carlos Aswahe, man, he's been really hot since coming up and getting to play every day. Yeah, he has. And I, I never pictured him or pegged him as an everyday player. Which I still don't think he is. Me neither. But, I mean, he's doing very well in the in the role. He so. is. He's been exactly what you – he hit his, he, he almost had a home run in uh, Philly, but he got uh, screwed with the weird dimensions out there. But he hit a home run today. Um, he has, uh, let's see, seven extra base hits uh, out of his 23 total hits so far. So that looks good. Uh, hit a home run yesterday, actually, I should say. Um, overall slash line so far, small sample size, but 312, 361, 442 on base. Uh, he's playing good defense. Uh, I, I like that he's getting out there an everyday look. I do think he is a uh, utility guy going forward in the long run, but it's nice to see him develop, get a chance, and you know actually get to play every day. Yeah, I mean, him going up there and getting on base is what you really like to see from him. I, you always like when you see, a, uh, well, he's not really even that young. But, is he 25? Yeah, something like that. But when you see a guy like that who's worked his way through the minors to come up and, and seize the opportunity and actually take advantage of it, I like it. I'm really happy to see it. I'm happy that, that he's doing well. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I like Andy Green. He is not afraid to play young guys. Like you've seen Jose Perella, who's not really young, but a guy who's kind of, you know. As far as service time, yeah, yeah young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. They're very young service time, but Green has no issues throwing these guys out there, whereas the guy across the diamond today uh, was notorious for, you know, wanting these guys to learn, you know, the speed of the game yeah. on the bench. The best part was in yesterday's game, which would now be Tuesday's game. Yes. Arenado needed day off, so who does he throw at third? Alexi Amarista. Oh, he came into the game today. Jesus Pinch Christ. Pinched ran out to center. Uh, I think, I can't remember who it was. Somebody struck him out and he fell down and it was hilarious. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, I didn't see today's game. I'm pretty happy I didn't. I, yeah. was, uh, I was at work and I'm, I'm looking at the box score here. I have it pulled up. 18 to 4. 18 runs on 21 hits. <laughs> I, I mean, five homers. I know it's the Coors. Rockies. <laughs> I know it's Coors, but good lord. Yeah. Um, Clayton Richard, Hart and hustled the shit out of today's game. <laughs> As in Hart and hustled his way out of the game. <laughs> he he took one for the team today. So three and two thirds, 14 hits. <laughs> 
And let's point out that uh, Marver put on Twitter that Clayton Richard, before today's start, led all of Major League starting pitchers in hits given up. So he gave up another 14 today. Uh, 11 runs, 10 of them earned, uh, struck out three, and gave up two bombs. He already jumped up about a run. <laughs> yeah. He is literally worthless in a trade. I think somebody will still take him. No. Yeah. No They're one not going to get anything. They'll get cash considerations. They traded Ludwig that one year and he at was that, batting like a buck 80. Yeah, but at that point, cash considerations, is it, is it even worth it to trade him? Just yeah, because you can stick him around. You can take that money and, you know, pour it into something else. Who knows? I guess. But, uh, no, no. And he's, you know, I don't know. Who cares? He sucks. We're going to go on some other stuff. Hey, that just reminds me, just, just another thing. Remember when we were at the spring training backlots and it was so weird all the minor oh, yes. leaguers were there. There was like three different minor league games going on, and Clayton Richard was floating from game to game, going to the next on-deck circle and taking the next at-bat <laughs> from the next rookie that was trying to work his way up. He's like, hey, get out of the way, kid. And he goes on-deck circle, and he's just swinging the bat. Oh. And he goes, we had to watch him go 0 for 8 in the span of probably 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah, it wasn't like he just went, okay, one field, one field, one field, done. I mean, he was he was going, you know, counterclockwise. Yeah. And just go up there, strike out, strike out, and he hit a ground ball. All bunted yeah. once. And he just went. He got like three games worth of at bats in him. Like, what the hell's going on? It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I, I, he, I swear to God, he went 0 for 8 with six Ks in the matter of like 10 minutes. You know what? Now that our status is a little bit higher, and now we're big time. Oh, I think if he does this crap again next year, assuming they re-sign him and make that mistake, well, I guess a million dollars isn't really a mistake. But I, I might ask next time, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like no context. Uh, what are you doing? His response would be, like, "Who the hell are you?" Yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, Will Myers. I, I feel like there's this weird perception of Myers like he sucks or he's disappointing. Everyone's down on Myers. Yeah, or this he's year. quote unquote struggling. Let's just throw this out here. Will Myers makes $4 million a year. He probably would make more than that in arbitration. I would bet. I would bet pretty good bank that he'd make more than that. Uh, overall, his slash line is fine. You have it up and you can tell me how it looks compared to the other years. I'm pretty sure it's pretty close. He's uh, 254, 332 on base, 461 slugging. That's good for about 9% above league average, which he usually is. He's usually about 9 to 10% above league average. Am I right? He's been just, I mean, when you look at his slash lines, nearly identical for yeah. the last three years. How old is he? 25? He's 26. Huh. But, I mean, what what do you expect out of this guy? I, like, I think they expect the first half of last year where he was like, you know, 20, 30% above league average. But let's, well, be, let's be honest here. I don't buy completely, I don't buy a lot, actually, into the myth of lineup protection. I do buy a lot into a myth of a guy or the idea that a guy might be pressing because he feels he has to carry the team. Myers straight out said earlier this year that his approach when he goes to the plate, just try to hit a homer. You can see that in his... Uh, strikeout ratio. He's striking out five percent more than usual than his career numbers. That's I think uh, I think he's at thirty percent this year. And he's using around 25, 26. He has struck out a lot. A lot. What's he's, he up to? One hundred and fifteen now. One hundred and nineteen strikeouts. I'm just guessing, by the way. I didn't actually look. And I don't think that that's <laughs> counting today's game. Yeah. But Baseball Reference has him at one nineteen. So he's striking out more. But like you said, he came out and said, "Look, I'm trying to hit more homers this year." Yeah. And with more homers is going to come more strikeouts. That's just how it is. And at the end of the the day, I used to think of it as, hey, a lot of strikeouts is a bad 
something, but they're outs. They're outs. They're outs. It, I mean, it, it doesn't. Yeah, you would like him to make more contact because you you can't get a hit if you don't put the ball in play. And if you're striking out, of course you're not putting the ball in play. But when you look at his slashing, it's about the same. Got a good walk rate. I think he's 10% on the walk rate, which is very good. And let's be honest, Will Myers. He could very well have a hot as hell August, and everyone's like, oh my god, he's the face of Fantress. He's back. He's back. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, come on. like The people... underlying talent is there. He's still walking at a 10% clip. Uh, that's about uh, 10 times better than Hunter Renfro. Yeah. <laughs> and people upset about his defense at first base. I don't give a shit about his defense. He plays first base. Yeah. Ex- oh, God. Exactly what I was going to say. Listen, guys. There's this thing, and you can Google it. I think you can even look it up on Wikipedia. It is called the defensive spectrum. But essentially, it itemized every position based on most difficult to least difficult. So, obviously, catchers, shortstop, center field, those are probably the top three. First base is last. The only thing after first base is DH. His job is primarily to catch the ball when thrown to him. Anything else you get beyond that is... Icing on the cake. Nobody complains about Miguel Cabrera's defense at first. Now, I'm not saying Will Myers, obviously, is not the caliber of hitter. But the job of the first baseman is to hit. Could Myers be a little bit better at that? Yeah, he could be. But, again, he's 26 years old. The The underlying tools are there. He's still drawing a good amount of walks. He's not striking out egregiously more than usual. So I think he's going to be just fine. I do think it's, you know, maybe that mid-year lull. Adrian Gonzalez used to go through it too. He would slump for like two months, and then he'd turn it back on. I think Myers will be fine. He's still an above-average hitter during his quote-unquote struggles. Of, I mean, of Don't all... bring up his war, by the way. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> of all the people to shit on on this team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like let's 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 not with Myers right now. If he's playing like this when his big money kicks in, I mean, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Like you're paying this guy in the twenties of millions of dollars. Yeah. But now let's let's give it a rest. Let's can we please cut Myers a little bit of slack for right now? Yeah. Like of all the guys on the team, he's been he's their best hit. Well, I mean, because they got guys like Prella, but I mean, he's the he's the best player on the team. He's the one guy that he is the one guy if you put on the trade market, other teams would call you for. Slam dunk. Hey, how much do you guys? What do you guys want for Will Myers? Yeah, you know he's he's a valuable above average major league player. Relax. Yeah, relax. I think everyone is just like expecting him to be this like superstar, pool host talent. You so know, he's not. Well, he's early not a... early career pool host, yeah. but he's not that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's forced to be put into that position since he's on the Padres and we have a dog shit roster, so he's forced into that position. But he's not that guy. If you just expect this guy to be you know he's above he's slightly above average he's going to run into some he has some pop he's going to run into some homers he's going to steal some bags if that's all you expect out of him then you're going to be just fine but if you expect this guy to be Miguel Cabrera with the stick you're going to be disappointed and that's that's on you yeah. at this point no i i agree with you 100% he's he you know coming out as a prospect he was always dubbed as being a guy that could be you know a, a borderline all-star but that's what he is he's going to be a very good player who will probably have some all-star years, whether that's because it's by default, because his team's going to suck for another couple of years, or because, like, last year, you know, he deserved it last year. He was, you know, he got a lot of pub at the end because it was, you know, San Diego hosting the all-star game, and he was the best player on the team. But nonetheless, you know, he, he's going to be that kind of player, a very good to borderline all-star player. You know, not everybody's going to be freaking Justin Upton. I mean, it's just it's yeah. unrealistic, guys. If he wants people to get off his back, he has to have a big August. Yeah, and he very well could. I mean, I, I really, I really think he's pressing. That's very, yeah. let, very evident. Let me throw pressing. this out there: people were very pleased with Justin Upton's output here. 
This is what Justin Upton's line was in San Diego. 251, 336, 454. Boy, that sounds awfully familiar. I wonder if anybody thought Justin Upton was struggling or they were citing his war or questioning how good he really was. Yeah, that's almost exactly what Myers is at. Yeah, exactly. Nearly, exactly. Identi nearly identical. Yes, exactly. The only thing that kills Myers is that Upton played left field, which he's very good defensively at, because left field is second to last on the defensive <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. And because... You know, yeah, you can hit, but first base, you have to hit. And yeah. Myers is doing just fine. So let's lay off of Myers. Let's go to some positive news. Uh, all aboard the Blash Wagon, baby. Jabari Blash is back and with a bang. He has been raking since he came up. Yes, sir. He sure has been. And he's showing uh, tremendous plate discipline as well. Yes. Uh, my first note, because we do outline everything. We like to have a, a nice flow to this so we know where we're going. Uh, but my first bullet point under Jabari Blash was Hunter who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hunter Renfro got Wally pipped. Yeah, indeed he did. Uh, Black, I mean, it's a short sample size. I think it's been about 60, 70 plate appearances so far. Uh, but he's hitting 265, 413 on base. Talk sexy to me, baby. <laughs> and a 490 slugging. Uh, he is 42% above league average. He is walking at a 20% ratio. 20 walks every 100 plate appearances. That is elite. Yeah. It's not going to hold, but. I like that he's getting to play every day. It's another thing where I talked about Andy Green just saying, all right, go out and get him. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I mean, I'll pull up. I don't have the exact tweet here in front of me, but I will take full credit for this. I will take full credit for the uh, Jabari Blash resurgence, so to speak. Because the rebirth of Jabari the Blash. The rebirth. There you go. Because I put out there, I said, hey, you know what? And this was, I mean, this was like a few weeks ago, I think, even. It was. It's from, here you go, 4th of July, actually. Yeah. So uh, while everyone else is being patriotic, I was thinking, hey, you know what? <laughs> What's going on with Jabari Blash? So I said, uh, I find myself sometimes thinking, fuck it. Just throw Blash in left field every single goddamn game and let him sink or swim. You literally have nothing to lose. No, they don't. They have zero to lose at this point. They went out of their way to keep him. That's the thing. It's like, even though it's, I, I, I do think to a point they gave up, because obviously they called up, they went out and got Max uh, Caesar. They got, or not Matt, Matt Caesar. Caesar, excuse me. Uh, they got Matt Caesar. They got, they pulled, they called up Perella. They put Cordoba out there. They put, called up Cordero. They called all these guys up before Blash, or it looked like, yeah, the writing's on the wall. But I mean, really, Maybe this toe because he's talking about how he does a toe tap now. If you look at Blash, he looks like a basketball player playing baseball. Racist. I'm not racist. I'm just talking like he's he's got this real like tall, slender build. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, there really is. He is incorporated instead of a leg kick or just a, a direct stride. He's incorporated a toe tap into his. Uh, triggering mechanics of his swing and it's worked wonders he goes the other way he had a rocket to put the Padres on the board up the middle today um, and like you said the plate discipline's good he looks good he looks a lot better than he did a year ago so maybe they're calling all those guys up to just kind of let him find his rhythm but yeah they have nothing to lose running him out there every day why not they obviously want him they went out of their way to roll five draft him to trade to keep him once they sent him down and then they decided to keep him again and now they're giving him an everyday shot and he's you know, going through so far. He went yard off the snot rocket yeah. of Bumgarner. <laughs> oh, God. The mic drop bat flip. Yeah. It's not even a bat flip. It's like a mic drop. It's amazing. It's yeah. my favorite new thing. And you know, for a big guy, I feel like I feel like he's very quick through the zone. Yeah, he has fast hands. He's a very short swing. Yeah, short swing. And then he just, so he, he's so quick through the zone. He makes connection, then he just kind of holds the bat out there and then drops it. Yeah. And then takes a few steps. He's like, he acts like it's his, like, 350th home run. 
And like he's just been like he's bored with. He's like, oh yeah. Of and the course. thing is, he hit it to center. Oh and, yeah. And then he hit another one at Colorado, four hundred seventy-seven feet. Crushed. Oh god, just absolutely crushed. Creamed. Yeah, and I he mean, knew it. A big guy like that, when he makes contact, oh boy, yeah. it flies. Yeah, absolutely. He, and flies. he doesn't look bad. You know what I like about him in the outfield? He hits the damn cutoff, man. Yeah. <laughs> And he does have a good arm, too. He has an underrated arm. arm. Yeah, it's not Renfro throwing 97 miles an hour from the outfield. But, yeah, I, I can see if it, if Renfro comes back, because according to Jagoff, he's got, what, spinosis or something? <laughs> Some spina bifida. <laughs> spina bifida. Yeah, something debilitating that will probably end his life, if not good, if not at least his career. Yeah. Uh, but I can see, you know, when Renfro comes back, giving Blast an everyday shot. I would love him more than Jankowski or even Cordoba. They were saying, by the way, that uh, Renfro, I believe, is coming back, I want to say either tomorrow or Friday. Oh, it's a or miracle. Which would be Thursday or Friday. Um, the probably send Cor uh, what's his name? Cordero down. No, I saw on Twitter that Margot is going on the paternity list. Oh, congratulations. Yes. So uh, he's going paternity and that'll make room for... How old is Margot? 22. Good God. Yeah. Why so early? Enjoy your life, Margot. Okay. Let, can, should we point out the point? Should we point out the fact that you actively tried to get your wife pregnant on your guys' honeymoon? Well, yeah, and but you're I talking was talking about why so early. But I was 28. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I wasn't 22. Yeah. So, anyways, he's going on paternity list, and uh, Renfro that'll make room for him, and that's likely why they were saying on Twitter. Also, that's likely why Franchi got the call up too. So, Franchi's back. That's good. No one noticed, but Franchi's back. <laughs> yeah, nobody noticed. Yeah. But the French Revolution has uh, has uh, hopped aboard the Blash wagon as well because he's going to be sitting so long as Blash keeps hitting. Yes, definitely. Uh, I did not mean to make that rhyme. That was awful, by the way. <laughs> Um, in other news, uh, we'll just skip the uh, fancy uh, parlor tricks with the music. We're going to go down on the farm. There's a lot going on in the farm system, yeah. uh, especially within the last week with the Futures game and everything. Of course, we touched on that. Uh, but right after our podcast last week, uh, both Cal Quantrill and Josh Naylor officially getting moved up to AA San Antonio. No surprise. We already knew that was coming. And why did we know? At Change the Padres. Yes, thank you very He's much. He's the first one that the dropped the, uh, yeah. the Quantrill promotion and everyone it's like, yeah, bullshit. Marver's full of shit. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, he's moved right up. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, good call. Uh, Nate, it's small, small sample size. Been about triple a week. Triple S. Yes. Uh, triple S, yes. Uh, Naylor in six games, got seven hits and 27 uh, tries. Went Two, yard the other day. Yeah, 259, 286, 407 slugging. It's been a week. I'd expect him to make the adjustments, but, you know, it's. it's uh, it's it's kind of exciting, and I'll touch on it in a second here. Quantrill made one start so far, five and a third. Uh, struck out four, walked two, ten hits, four runs. So a little bit of bad luck on the hits and runs. But uh, overall, you know, Quantrill still is considered a top 100 prospect in most circles. Uh, ESPN's Keith Law came out with his top 50 last week. Quantrill cracked number 19. Wow. And, uh, and, and I'd mentioned this last week. If you guys haven't heard it, look it up. But he was talking uh, to Darren Smith about Quantrill, and the biggest thing is just projectability and pitchability. He throws strikes. He's got good stuff, good curveball. And, I mean, if you watch him pitch, you can see why. You know, his physical projection is to be, you know, an innings-eating top-of-the-rotation uh, arm. Yeah, I, I feel like – I'd never feel like Quantrill will be an ace. I don't think he'll be an ace. I think he'll be like an ace light. I he'll think kind of be like a John Lackey. Yeah, and yeah. I'm okay with that. I am too. I Lackey think he's a solid two. Yeah. A solid two, but I don't think that he'll ever be an ace. Yeah, I agree with you. Lackey wasn't the man on his on his, on the Angels, but he was, you know, that was their guy. Oh, we drafted him. He came up. He's the bulldog. I see Quantrill being kind of a like, similar ilk. Yeah. 
I mean, I'll be excited to see how both of them finish the year out of Double A. I don't yeah. see them. I don't see either one of those two getting promoted any higher than that. No, I think they'll spend the the, the back half of the year uh, in Double A. But the exciting part is like. Man, we just got these guys. Like, Naylor yeah. was drafted, what, two years ago? Yep. Uh, Quantra obviously drafted uh, last year, and he's in his first full season. First full season since blowing his elbow out. So Yeah, by the way, I also want to throw a plug. If uh, if you guys – I hope I hope that you guys aren't, aren't cheap, and, and I hope that you will actually go and uh, subscribe to Mad Friars because our pal Kevin Charity had an interview with, uh, with Naylor. It was pretty good, so I suggest checking that out. Shout out to uh, Kevin Charity. So that was actually a good thing. So with with Naylor, I I feel like I feel like he's really going to hit at Double A. It is yeah, Triple S, small sample size. He he hasn't been that great so far, but I mean, let's see how it plays out. He's he's he doesn't strike out much. He's going to put the ball in play and he's going to make things happen. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do there. As am I. Maybe I'm he'll a- be hot as hell in San Antonio and he'll drop some weight too. <laughs> I was just going to say <laughs> we're such best friends. I was just going to say I'll be interested to see how his diet goes. Being in San Antonio, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of golden corrals out there uh, that uh, he's going to become very accustomed to. Yeah. And as Charles Barkley pointed out, the women in, fa- in San Antonio are fat as hell. <laughs> Thank you, Charles Barkley. Thank you, Chuck. Greatest, uh, greatest golf swing of all time. But as I was saying, it- it's exciting because these guys, I mean, they've both been in the system for about a calendar year now because we got Naylor at the dread- deadline last year. Uh, Drafted Quantrill, got him in the system, signed him right around that time as well. So it's exciting these guys are moving up because Double A is not, it's not like, I mean, it's not Elsinore. Elsinore feels like miles away, right? Yeah. When you have a player in single A, Fort Wayne even further. I mean, you almost, you know, don't even get your hopes up unless you got, you know, uh, know, a guy like Tatis. Uh, So it's exciting because these guys are that much closer. I mean, it's not unrealistic to think, hey, they do well now. You know, play well next year, Triple A, second half of next year, maybe September call up. That's really exciting yeah. uh, for those two guys. Uh, moving on into uh, some more prospect views. Man, Mikel Bias just keeps just keeps pounding the competition. They got to move him up to Elsinore. I would really hope that he gets there by the time that the season's over. I do too, because he is just, oh, he blew away the rookie league. Oh, yeah. So they said to hell with that. Move him into, uh, move him into uh, Fort Wayne. Well, he uh, has. He's blowing away Fort Wayne. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he hasn't skipped a beat. Yeah. Uh, in 18 innings pitch, he's given up five hits, only one run, and a uh, he's got a 12 to one strikeout to walk ratio, 24 strikeouts to two walks. <laughs> I mean, you know that this guy is good when he makes a start on. I believe he may start on Monday or Tuesday. Uh. He's starting in you know Fort Wayne time. They're playing a day game, so for us, it's like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we were, we just started work. And Padre Twitter's buzzing watching this guy at low A. That's how you know this guy's good. I mean, everyone is is pumped about Baez on Twitter. And, and he's for 21, good reason. right? For good reason. Yeah, I believe he's 21. You gotta, they gotta get him into Elsinore. Yeah, so he has to be in Elsinore. It seems like it seems like he's not being challenged at all. Like, through five innings, he had a no-hitter and 57 pitches and struck out, what, six guys? I mean, yeah, it's it's insane the numbers he's putting up down there. And you can use Triple S again on that, uh, too, but I don't really 
think small sample size plays a factor there because he has the stuff that's so dominant. Yeah. He should be in Elsinore. He's also 21. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Elsinore and he blows away the competition in Elsinore. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at last year. Here's a good example, and unfortunately he got hurt, but you look at like a Chris Paddock yeah. who is around the same age and just carving motherfuckers up. I mean, Paddock hadn't given up a hit in forever. He didn't throw a no-hitter, obviously. Was it a hit or a run? I think he hadn't given up a run in like six years. <laughs> when the Padres got him, he just kept dominating dominating to a point where it's like at some point you got to move the guy up if he keep I mean 18 innings is for him what three starts if he does another start or two which he's going to knock out probably in the next two weeks and he's still dominating at this pace move him up let him pitch the last month in August uh in Elsinore and see how he does and then send him to uh, the Arizona Fall League but he is just dominating yeah he might be the guy who's our top of the rotation yeah well, it's exciting, and Espinosa apparently is, you know, from what I've been able to gather from guys like uh, Keith Law and Eric Loggenhagen from Fangraphs, those guys saying that they're not hearing anything on injuries, but he's probably not going to throw until Fall League and probably Winter Bowl. Yeah. So, but it's still, at least he's not hurt, but it's exciting to think that if that works at out. At least he's not hurt? What the hell is he then? <laughs> I don't know what he is. Yeah, no one does, because the Padres don't say shit. Run his name through that jag-off injury translator thing and see what happens. I don't know what's going on with him. Dude, it pisses me off. Like, I just I wish he'd be be more upfront with you. Yeah, but he's your number one prospect. Is he? Yes. I wouldn't consider him at this point the number one because he hasn't. Wasn't said, he? Wasn't he their number but one? I think prospect? going into the year he was. No, yeah. Mar- Margot was going into the year because Margot was basically major league. Whatever. Ready. He's one of your top yeah. prospects. I agree. And with you. they are tight lipped on it. They are saying jack shit about Espinosa, and it's it's crazy. It's like what's going on with him? We want to know. I know. But we don't have a right to know. <laughs> oh, it's driving me nuts. I do think if it was as serious as we're hoping it's not, they would have said something. Or they shut him down by now. I think they're just being really cautious with him because they don't want him to get hurt. And so they don't feel the need uh, because he is still so very young um, and advanced for his age that they don't feel the need to push it. So just kind of take their time. And at this point, it's already mid-July. It's it's. it's it's pushing late July. Dude, you and I both know how the Padres are. You and I both know they're going to go through this, and it's going to come out in probably October, uh, November maybe, that he needs Tommy John. I don't know. Or he needs some sort of huge surgery that he's going to be out all of next year too. Um, oh. Why? Because they were dicking off, and they didn't do jack shit during this year about it, and they pushed it off, and they pushed it off, and they pushed it off, and then another big surgery is going to come, and that's going to come out towards the end of the year. Mark our words. Mark the tape. Mark mark your words, because I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think that's the case, because when it comes to... Mark the tape right yeah. now, dude. July 20th, 12.37 in the morning. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. By the end of the year, towards the end of the year, the latter portion of the year, there's going to be some sort of major surgery for Espinosa. I, I don't think Guaranteed. so, and here's why. I think in terms of like the medical record stuff, number one, I think we all speculate heavily that it was Mike D pulling that bullshit, which is why... Allegedly. Uh, allegedly, yeah. That's why we speculate that it was Mike D. Uh, and so, number one. Number two, when it comes to the internal talent, when the Padres... When the Padres had Paddock go down, they were very immediate in trying to figure out what's wrong, what do we need to do, okay, push him to Tommy John. When Colin Ray went down and we got him back, they were very immediate in what's wrong, what can we do, okay, let's push him to Tommy John. He wanted to go the platelet route and then decided Tommy John. So I think for players that they actually have... What about Tyson Ross? 
Tyson Ross had that thyroid thing, but that's difficult to find because, I mean, that took out Chris Carpenter from the Cardinals. Remember, he was hurt for, like, years. Uh, Matt Harvey kept getting hurt. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Well, they said it was thoracic... Thoracic, thoracic outlet syndrome. Outlet syndrome. Yeah, that's what it is, not thyroid. And then it turned out he had neck surgery. Uh, look, guy... That's what I'm saying, dude. It's the Padres. You know how they are. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's another player on another team that had was like missed. Oh, Jake Peavy. Peavy was misdiagnosed. Remember, he had that weird shoulder back injury. Yeah, it happens. I mean, you're you're you have to. Yeah, it happens to us a lot. It happens to every team. We just don't hear about it. But you put you put your faith in the doctors that they're going to diagnose them. Oh, correctly. I have a lot of faith in our doctors. <laughs> yeah. Well, they go out and they don't see. They go see like James Andrews and stuff like that. Not the team doctors. They don't do the surgeries. Well, our team doctors yeah. took about five days to um, diagnose Swoon with the concussion. Yeah. Which we were going to touch on later, yeah. Um, but I guess we can just drop that now. Um, with Swoon, I think they're just more running tests on him until they decided to put him on the seven-day DL. What kind of test do you need? It's fuzzy. I don't. Things are fuzzy. That's I a concussion. No, it's probably to hold off making a move or to buy them more time to give him more time to heal. That's what I would have to imagine. Anyways, rest in peace, Swoon. Yeah, he'll be fine. I'm sure. Uh, back to the point at hand. I do think that if he was going to have Tommy John that they would have done it already because there's no reason for them to wait to do something that's that invasive and that's going to put them on the shelf that long. It would be dumb of them. And the Padres have done a lot of things. We talked about the other day. Preller didn't make one good trade that entire 2014-2015 offseason. Not one. And they've done a lot of other dumb things with the injuries, hiding injuries, and the database and all that other crap. But in terms of handling their farm system, developing their players, and putting a big focus on that as the forefront uh, of the organization to this point, I can't see them wanting to push off something that would take away another year of Espinosa's career. Now, yeah, maybe it does turn out that he does eventually blow his elbow out, but I do give the Padres the benefit of the doubt at this point in that they don't think or he is not being diagnosed by anybody that he needs Tommy John and they're just waiting. Because that would make no sense whatsoever on what is a prized prospect for them. Yeah, you keep giving the Padres the benefit of doubt. Let me know how that works out for you. We'll see how it works. Jesus. We'll see how it works. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, but it's okay because we got another another number one type starter in the system. Uh, good old Mackenzie Gore. Oh, man. Yeah, I saw that video that was posted on Twitter of his first outing. Yeah. Hoo-wee. Yeah, anybody who's worried about this weird, funky leg kick, don't worry. Yeah. It looks great. Uh, he's got it well under control. Real clean mechanics, good arm action. Uh, you guys got to find video of this kid. He's Oddly impressive. enough, too, with, with a leg kick like that and mechanics, it looks oddly repeatable. Yeah. Which is weird. It's really fluid. It's not it's not Luke Casey's delivery, which is herky jerky and kinda yeah. like like you couldn't repeat like Nick or Nick's uh, Gore is very fluid, very athletic with the delivery. I think it just helps him find balance yeah. and uh, rhythm in his uh, in his uh, movements. But uh, real short outing, I mean they're not gonna push him. He just got done pitching in high school and uh, all that stuff, but uh, he went two innings, gave up just a hit, uh, recorded his first two big league strikeouts, did walk a guy in his debut. Uh, the good news is, this is even better news, because again, the big thing on Gore was that he was really polished for a, a prep arm, a high school arm. It was like collegiate level polish. Uh, he cracked Keith Law in ESPN's top 50 prospects. I believe he was number 45 
Don't correct me on that, at Drunk Flannery, I'm just guessing. Uh, but I think he was in the mid to late 40s. He's a top 50 prospect. He's pitched two innings. Yeah. I mean, watching that, that video, I mean, and we all get excited about the Miguel Diaz gif um, all year of uh, him throwing that fastball and locking up Peterson. But watching that video, man, that's really all we have to go off of for now since that's his first outing. Man, the ball is jumping out of his hands. His breaking ball looks tough. Like, he, he dropped one in on a righty, like down his back foot, just carved him up. Yeah. So, man, and they were saying he's touching 96. <laughs> And he's wow. only 18, guys. He's wow. only 18, which means over the next couple of years, he's going to put on some muscle. He's going to put on some size. He's going to thicken out a little bit. You know, he's probably not going to be big, big, but he's going to put some size on that frame, and it's only going to get better, yeah. ideally. Yeah. I'm really excited about Gore. Yeah. Which, oh, wow, hey, it's a good thing that we – I don't want to say tanked. It's a good thing we had a shit season. We got a higher draft pick. Yeah. So we, we could get guys like we that. We could have been picking the in the middle of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I, I like the Mackenzie Gore pick. I was all for it. Uh, when we all, I mean, It would have been nice to have Hunter Green. But, you know, Gore has talked about. I think, I think Gore is going to be better. I think Gore has a lot more going for him right now because he's focused strictly on pitching. Green has a good fastball. He's got good mechanics. He obviously throws gas uh, and a good breaking ball. But I do think that Mackenzie Gore could have arguably gone number one or number two overall. Yeah, and no one would no one would yeah. blink an eye at it. No, I don't. I don't think so. it's it's kind of like the same thing with Quantrill because he wasn't healthy and he hadn't thrown. Uh, you know, when the Potters took him, people were kind of questioning it. But then when they actually saw him, you know, the consensus seems to be now that you know Quantrill is arguably one one. He could have been the number one overall pick had he been healthy his sophomore year or so, or his junior year, I should say, because obviously he didn't pitch that whole year. So just another great pick uh, out of the number three spot with Mackenzie Gore. Very exciting to see him. And it's funny because we have him. We mentioned Mikel Baez, another guy who looks like he'd be number one. We still got more hone in there. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even talking about him. Yeah, exactly. But he's still in the system. So uh, very exciting. Another guy uh, that I've been uh, I've been tooting the horn on for a while now, uh, Jacob Nix. Uh, Fangraph's uh, Eric Loggenhagen. He does chats every week. I'd always check him out because he drops uh, Padres guys all the time. Um, number one, he likes Fernando Tatis Jr. He's kind of the first scout I saw that was on him uh, in uh, last year. Uh, but he loves Jacob Nix. Nix has done really well. I think he had a one rough out, and it's kind of inflated his ERA a little bit. But overall, real good numbers. Uh, 3 9 ERA, 41 strikeouts to seven walks. Uh, those They have the seven walks. What makes him more impressive? 55 innings. Wow. I mean, he's he's pitching really, really well. Looks like he's going to be a kind of middle, maybe number two top uh, as a starter. Uh, but the guy logging, hanging at Fangraphs, uh, somebody had asked him, you know, is he is he creeping into? Is he borderline 100? And the guy, I mean, he said he's he's pretty much there. He hasn't released any top 100. Uh, probably won't till the end of the year. But considers Nick's a top 100 prospect. That's really impressive for a guy who's a third round pick. Yeah. And I'll I'll be wanting to get up there and watch Nick start at Elsinore before he's moved up. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll probably finish here at Elsinore. But I do too. At some point, you got to get up there and watch him in Elsinore. I yeah, mean, get up. I mean, the Padres, Lake Elsinore, we're we're so lucky because even teams with like good farm systems. I mean, I think the Yankees have some you know a, a team close to them, but you know as. If you really love the Potters and you're really excited about what they're doing in the organization, you want to get excited about where the organization looks like it's headed, drive up to Elsinore. they got plenty of talent up there right now. They just moved up Logan Allen. Jacob Nix is up there. There's going to be probably more guys from the, the Fort uh, Wayne roster getting moved up. Mikel Bias could get up there. I mean, get up there. It's cheap. It's uh, I don't know where you're at, but 
you know, it's what, an hour and a half drive, maybe, depending on where you're at in San Diego, give or take? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. And you pay, I, I took Eric a couple of years ago, we went on his birthday, and I paid $28 for two tickets and right behind home plate in the first row. Yeah. It's cheap. They've got great things. You can take your kids. they got stuff for that. It's it's awesome. And you get to see all these great players that the Potters are funneling in the system. And you might run into Potters Jagoff there. <laughs> yeah, you can just tweet him you when you know. figure out that you're sitting two seats from him. You never know. Yeah, when he sends a picture out, it's the same angle you're looking at. <laughs> you never know who you may run into. Yeah, Maybe you'll see one of us. And uh, we charge $5 per autograph. Yes, $5 per autograph. <laughs> or you can just buy me a uh, bunless hamburger. Yeah. I'll take that. That'll work. Uh, speaking of moving on up, uh, to Eric's surprise, he didn't know this. I was shocked he when he did. told me. Which <laughs> is funny because I found out on Twitter and I was telling you off the air that I can't keep up with you on Twitter because I follow so many people and they post so much that my feed gets bogged down and I say to hell with it. But I saw this on Twitter, so I wrote it down in our outline, thinking you knew, but Eric was stunned to find out uh, Javier Guerra has been promoted to AA San Antonio. It happened, I think, well, uh, last 48 hours or so. Talk about falling upwards. <laughs> yeah. And what was it? What was the first thing I said when I found out? If there's anyone who does not deserve to be moved. <laughs> yeah, it's Javier Guerra. Javier Guerra. Yeah. Good Lord, he sucks. Yeah, he has been brutal. Apparently the tools are there. Now, last year, I, we don't know how much it was. I think we, I think uh, our good friend Kevin Charity at Mad Friars had mentioned, you know, there's some stuff going on with him personally that affected him. Apparently this year that's been ironed out and he's playing well defensively. But the bat has been bad. Don't get me wrong. Defensively, he could probably play at Petco now. Right now. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Defensively, it's all there. But offensively, man, he's bad. He is. But and it's, it's not like a lack of tools. I mean, when I saw him taking batting practice and then playing a little inter-squad game uh, when we made our spring training trip, I mean, it looks like it's there. So it's, there's got to be something else going on. He has hit well, I guess, of late. So my thinking is maybe they feel like, okay, he's hot. We need to clear a spot for a certain somebody anyways. We'll just move him to double A. And then every time we need to clear a spot for a certain somebody who we'll bring up in a second, we'll just keep moving him up until we release him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, you never know, dude. You never know how things work out. Maybe Garrett goes up to double A and he starts hitting. Maybe, maybe. he finds it there. Yeah. Well, Change maybe. of scenery. Who knows? Yeah. I don't maybe, like maybe that promotion kicks his ass into gear and he's like, wow, look, like I'm pretty close now to major leagues. If I can put it together for a few months, like I could get the call and maybe that'll be a motivating factor for him and he'll finally start hitting. I don't yeah. think he will, but maybe he will. Who knows? Who knows? And it could be too because he's been hitting so well of late. Yeah. I think I saw like a 315, 320 on base slugging in the in the 430s or so. It's really good for a shortstop. So maybe it's, hey, you know what? He's doing well. He's applying whatever it is they're trying to get him to do down there. Let's give him a promotion to kind of boost his confidence a little bit and see how he does. Because I mean, overall numbers don't deserve it, but we don't know. You know, we can't. You can't scout the slash line. I mean, that's all we've got. But there's other things going on that we just don't see. But the intriguing part, and after this was mentioned that I saw on Twitter, the the mini buzz I saw was that this is apparently leading to hopefully Tatis Jr. moving into single A, which oh, if he man. does, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I can't wait. Pass out. I can't wait, man. If, if if he gets pulled up there, man, my next day off, I will be up there, and I told you, front row, dick firm in hand. Yes. I cannot wait for Tatis to get up there. You're going to have to grab a hot dog or something to fill up the rest of that hand, though, aren't you? I can't wait, dude. Like, if he's, if he's up there and... 
I honestly, I had just told myself, hey, he's going to finish the year at Fort Wayne. I'll see yeah. him next year. I, we agreed. We're like, yeah, I can't see him. I, I want him to be in the Futures game, but yeah, he'll probably finish in Fort Wayne. This is exciting. Yeah, it could happen. And I'm kind of surprised they haven't moved up that Zunica kid. They haven't moved him up yet, and I thought they would. I think they're playing more of a Austin Allen at first base. Um, he's more of like a catcher DH first base type, but yeah. I thought sure that they would move up Zunica, but they haven't yet. Well, maybe, maybe they... Dude, maybe they have. I didn't even know Javi Garrett got moved up. But, <laughs> I didn't see anything. Oh, man. If Javi Garrett being moved up to AA makes, is to make room for Tatis at shortstop... Which I think it is. That's very exciting. Yeah. If we hear something in the next few days, I'll, I'll be I'll be going up there very soon. Lake Elsinore, I want to give you my money. <laughs> yeah. We'll go buy a Tatis Jr. And, jersey. Yeah, and by the way, if anyone, for whatever reason, I don't know why they would, but if anyone connected to Lake Elsinore is listening to this... Would it kill you to put the starting pitcher on your website, please? Like, I want to go up and watch a game, but I want to know who's pitching. If Jake Etch is starting, I'm not going up there. And I need to know. Like, I'm not going to risk it either. Do you remember when we went up that year and we want? Who was it that we wanted to see pitch? I don't know. Some prospect we wanted to see pitch that was in the system. I think they've since traded him. But we wanted. Yeah, we wanted to see one of these Padre prospects pitch, and we ended up seeing. Uh, oh, it was Joe Ross. We went oh, up yeah. there. We went up there. Rest in peace, Joe Ross. Tommy yeah, John. Yeah, Tommy John. Uh, we went up there thinking, yeah, let's go watch Joe Ross. There, he's good. This and that. And they started some other guy. I'm like, isn't Joe Ross starting? Yeah, they put Joe. Ro- I remember that now. They put Joe Ross's name on there, and some no one was starting it. Yeah. Uh, instead of him, I was like, oh wow, that's not how I pictured Joe Ross to look. This guy's very, <laughs> very thin and very Mexican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very. And then, <laughs> and then we figured out that hey, that's not Joe. Ross. And we didn't even figure. I mean, we got there early enough. We didn't even figure it out until we posted the lineups on the scoreboard. I'm yeah. like, who the hell is that? I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, man. And oh. I get, I get they have so much depth, but come on, man. update that website, like oh, elsewhere, please. I know for the. Lo- I know it's a rotating roster, but Jesus. Yeah. At least the day of. And so your managers are submitting the lineups early. Yeah. Uh, but back to Tatis. Now he's only 18 and a half years old. Uh, at that age, he's hitting 263, 363 on base, 497 slugging. That's 40% better than the average single-A Fort Wayne hitter um, or just low single-A in general. Unbelievably gifted. Crushing the ball. The uh, the guy at Fangraphs, Eric Loggenhagen, and just to give you guys a rundown, again, they use the 2080 scale. And that guy likes to use future value, so what he thinks they'll be at their peak, assuming that they hit their 90th percentile. Uh, he had Tatis as 50 going into the year. 50 is really good. 50 is all-star. It's it's all-star uh, caliber. He thinks he's moving closer to 55, which is all-star and elite, uh, which is amazing to be 18 and a half years old. And the biggest reason he says that is because now he's doing it in his first full season and he's moving forward. He's probably going to be in single-A Elsinore. I can't see him not doing that. The other thing with uh, Tatis Jr. too, uh, Fangraph says he's probably a top 25-ish prospect. Uh, Keith Law, ESPN's Keith Law, number 15 overall in his midseason top 50. He was wow. the highest-ranked Padre, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, yeah. 15, number 15. We got this guy last year, and he hadn't even played past, like, Instructs. I mean, we're, we're getting really excited about it, and at this point, I feel like he should be moved up. 
But would you be upset if he's not moved up? No, because I understand taking it a little bit slow and just letting him dominate the league. He's only 18. I, and at this, in the same breath, though, if you're not going to move him up, why the hell are you moving Javi Guerra up? I don't know. I think you're right, man. I think that that could be coming. I, I hope so. That Yeah, Tati's going to uh, um, Lake Elsinore. That could be coming soon, man, and I couldn't be more excited. No, I hope so. I hope so. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on down on the farm, like I said, guys. Uh, make your way up to Lake Elsinore. It's definitely worth the trip. Uh, the parking is cheap. The tickets are cheap. It's a great fan atmosphere, and you get to see all these exciting young players we're talking about. Can you imagine a roster that already has Logan Allen, Jacob Nix, and then Tatis Jr. and Baez are added to it. Yes, please. Gosh almighty, that would be that would be so exciting to go up there and Elsinore watch. You guys are missing out. So yeah. I've been to more um, Elsinore games this year than Petco. You well, you've definitely paid for more Elsinore games than you have Padre yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hand me out Eric getting free Padre games. I yeah, sure am. You shouldn't be paying for those either. Yeah. As, as your friend, I tell you that. Yeah. Uh, do not pay for those. So uh, what we're going to do next, um, Eric had put it out there a couple weeks ago. We got much better questions this time around. Finally. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and head to the Twitter sphere. Uh, Eric put it out at MiserableSDFan. Any time you guys have any questions or anything you want to go over or want us to go over on the show, we're more than happy to interact. We love our fans. We love that you guys give us the listens that you do. I uh, very much appreciate it. So let me let me start off this segment by saying, and I sent you this text earlier, ladies and gentlemen, I have reached the peak, the pinnacle of greatness oh, yeah. on Padres Twitter. <laughs> Today I got a follow from Mickey Coke. Oh man. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I have reached the pinnacle of greatness. You have officially in brought in the fences. <laughs> I sure have. I sure have. For those that don't know, that's an old running gag from the old Padres message board. Yeah. Way back when, when Petco was uh, the Grand Canyon of baseball fields. Yeah, very polarizing uh, figure, Mr. Makey Coke. To say the least. I Honestly, I don't have a problem with him at all. No, you know what? This is the thing with Mickey Cook. Some people don't like him, but I think it just comes out to he's very strong in his opinions. He's a he's a man of conviction, and I can respect a man like that, even if you don't agree with everything he says. And you know what? Damn it, he's a Padre fan. Yeah. So at least you know there's some other passionate Padre fans out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll never fault a guy for caring too much. No, absolutely. At not. the end of the day, we all have a common goal. We all want to see this team win. Yep. And I mean, if we may disagree on things, but man, I, when I see some of the some of these people coming out of him, I'm like, dude. Like, is it that serious? If people are intimidated by uh, people with strong opinions, look how yeah. people yell at you and I. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is so true. that's all it comes down to. But yes, uh, welcome, Mickey Coke, to the 5.5 Podcast <laughs> Fan Club. We are happy to have you. Yes. Uh, but let's go ahead and go over these uh, Twitter questions. We're also happy to go over those. Uh, this is from at Padre, not Padre. Give that man a follow. Uh, he asked us, who was a Padre player that we loved for no explicable reason because they weren't any good or something along those lines. So let me go over mine first because yours is a surprise. Now, first, let's clarify it. He didn't ask us that. He just put it out there and it got a lot of runs. So I felt like oh. we should touch on that. Oh, well, nonetheless, yeah, let's do it anyways. Okay, so yeah, you do yours. <laughs> okay, so mine, so this had to have been in the fifth grade. I don't know why I like this guy. Probably because I felt like this is me as a major leaguer <laughs> if I made it. Uh, but utility infielder and, and according to baseball reference slash pinch hitter, uh, Luis Lopez who played in the mid-90s for three years with the Padres. Uh, he was awful, just awful. I don't know how he managed. Why'd you like him then? I, I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know. I mentioned to you... Um, I can't remember what grade it was, but I'd mentioned to you that there was this thing where you had to put down your favorite Padre that wasn't named Tony Gwynn. This is why he was the first name that popped into my head. Uh, you, you 
put down a player anonymously that wasn't named Tony Gwynn. Uh, that was your favorite Padre. And I put down Luis Lopez. And I remember when they put it on the overhead projector, <laughs> when his name popped up, I, I didn't poker face it at all. I dropped my head in my arms and I thought, oh, man, that's me. I'm so embarrassed, even though it's supposed to be anonymous. Because he was just terrible. I, I, I don't know why I liked him. I think he was a switch hitter. Maybe that's why. Because I, I, when I first started playing, watching baseball, I wanted to switch hit. Uh, but he was just terrible. So here's a slash line in his three seasons with the Padres, parts of three seasons. Uh, 228, 274, 309. That's good for 44% uh, below league average. So he's basically half a major league hitter. <laughs> wow. Uh, for those of you who like war, this is when war gets really funny. In those three years with the Padres, he was worth minus 3.4 war. He's basically made the Padres three and a half games worse in the limited time they had him. And he still managed to eke out 11 seasons. He made it into like 2001 with the Mets, I remember. Wait, so that's not good? That no, no, that's that's not good at all. That's awful. That's terrible. Awful. Do you have any? I know that's the only guy you looked up stats for, but do you have any more off the top of your head? Uh, I have a couple. That's probably the. I don't know. Let, let me get to some of mine here. So the first one, and I don't know how I pulled this one, but it's the first. It's the first guy that I remember watching pitch and throwing ninety-four miles an hour, and I'm like, wow, this guy almost throws as hard as Trevor Hoffman. Please say Mark Grant. No, not Mark. Grant. <laughs> no. Not Mark Grant. <laughs> Tom Davey. You Tom remember? Oh, man. <laughs> you remember Tom Davey? Tom Davey. Yeah. Oh, man. That big son of a bitch. I remember sitting there, dude, I was so young and I was watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy keeps throwing 94 miles an hour. Tom Davey. He was one of my favorites uh, back in the day. Oh, man. The guy's awful, but for whatever reason, I loved watching him pitch. Another guy, this is more recent. Love watching this guy pitch. Dale Thayer. Oh, yeah. Thayer wasn't bad, though. God, I love Thayer, Thayer man. Thayer wasn't bad. With that stupid mustache. You know, I think also what I really liked about him is growing up pitching my whole life, I love watching the action on the pitches. And he had a ton of tail on that two-seam, man. He used to start it, like, what, six, maybe four to six inches off the plate. Depends on how good he was that night. <laughs> true, true. And then just run it right back through, um, you know, catch the corner to the right-handed right hitters. I loved it. Man, yeah, I love Dale Thayer. He wasn't he wasn't bad over here. We have a little inside joke on Dale Thayer. We won't bring on the air yeah. <laughs> about Nick Vincent. We'll lose all of our sponsorships <laughs> yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm noticing that uh, Dale Thayer and Tom Davey look like they reside somewhere in that manufactured home lot that I drive by in Lakeside. There's a theme I'm seeing here. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just like watching rednecks throw because I love Jake Peavy too. <laughs> yeah, I'll think, tell you what, think, him. I love Rod Beck. <laughs> Shooter. <laughs> Rod, Good old shooter. Rod Beck. Oh, man. Yeah. I really thought you were going to hit me with uh, with Bobby J. Jones, Rick Sutcliffe's favorite Padre pitcher. No. Bobby J. Jones. No, I wasn't planning on it. Yeah. So I got a couple for you. And it, 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 I was already older at this point. Um, and the Padres are actually halfway decent. Uh, but uh, I went with these guys because I remember rooting for them. And I don't really know why. Uh, but you'll probably remember them. Number one, because uh, this was somewhat recently within the last 10 years, uh, Hiram Boca Chica. Oh, boy. 
Oh boy. You have Davy Cruz on that list too? <laughs> no, I couldn't Calix Crab? <laughs> Calix Crab. No, I don't know why. I think here in Boca Chica, I remember because Merv Redman was a hitting coach that year. I think it was in 2007. And when they asked him about his swing, he said, very violent. <laughs> but he That's had, great. You know what it is? He made some like amazing catch in center field for the short time we had. They only had him for about uh, 27 games. Apparently he cried when they released him. Uh, but he had his second best showing of any other team. He was absolutely awful. Uh, but he put up a 294 on base, 349 average, uh, or slugging. Those are his best combined numbers compared to uh, any other year he had outside of one year with, like, the Dodgers and the Mariners. You know, I, I also I just had one come to me here. Damian Jackson. But, you know, but I love DJ. I love DJ, too, but he wasn't that great. No, I'm going to look that up. No, don't look up his numbers. We don't have time. He wasn't that great. I think we can agree he wasn't that great. But I love I loved Damian Jackson. So let's move on to more serious things. People who actually tweeted at us who listen to our show. Uh, first one I have here from uh, Craig Medeiros, uh, Craig Meddy. Uh, follow him by the way, he puts out some, some periscopes um, of him talking uh, baseball and San Diego sports. It's actually it's 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 quite fun to interact, and he's he's a cool guy. So check him out. Um, it says, "How would you guys go about getting a left-handed bat for the future? Trades, free agencies. What what are some of your thoughts on that?" So it's hard to say. I I think in terms of free agency. The only left-handed bat I think of is Bryce Harper, and that ain't happening. No, not at all. Um, so I don't see the Padres going out and doing that unless it's like a scrap heap pickup, like a guy who's just coming off a bad year, or they just getting like a fourth outfielder or something like that. Are they going to trade for Christian Yelich, bro? No. Uh, who? No. Why, why would the Marlins trade Christian <laughs> Yelich? He's young and cheap and good. I don't know. Ask it's East exactly Village. what they want. Ask um, East Village Times. No, I, I won't ask them. I'll let you do that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, honestly, I think it's going to be more internally, at least with, I mean, they have internal options. We are, you know, Spangenberg and Swai are obviously already up. Uh, and they're playing every day. So they're adding that left-handed balance. Uh, but you also have to remember, uh, Cordero just got called up. Uh, Jankowski's been on the DL with the you know amputated foot, apparently, yeah. uh, the past four months or however long he's been out. Dickerson. Assuming he's not paralyzed. Uh, Dickerson is also another left-handed bat that they could utilize, who I think, depending on their catch, I mean, really, let's just say going into next year, Torrens is either not on the team one way or the other, and Dickerson's healthy. Now you can keep Hector Sanchez, who's been really – you know, effective in his role as a switch hitting catcher. He's been on baseball. fire lately. Oh, God, the home run he hit. By the way, Eric, you should retweet it. Uh, but uh, somebody put a video out of his walk-off with the uh, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On song yeah. from Titanic. It and great. it's amazing. It was Absolutely great. amazing. So they have some internal options I think that they'll go with. The other option I think they'll do, it depends on what they get when they trade Chassin, Cahill, Hand. I think those yeah. are the three guys. There could be a piece there. There's also yeah. very, very, very low in the system. Tierso Ornelas, you have Buddy Reed. Oh, uh, Tierso Ornelas got a name drop on uh, Darren Smith's interview with Keith Law. He yeah. likes him a lot. I mean, there are those internal options. As far as free agency, yeah, the one that comes to mind, of course, is Harper, but he's never coming here. Trade, no. I mean, who knows? I think your best bet on that is through the draft. There's I that agree. Seth Beer kid, uh, who I believe is eligible this year. Oh, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought he was <laughs> eligible this year. Yeah, I, I believe this next year he's eligible in the oh. draft, so maybe that's where the best, but in the draft, you take the best available. You yeah. Can't say, you don't hey, draft for need or want. Yeah, yeah well, you're not going to say, hey, we need a left-handed bat three years from now, so let's take <laughs> a good lefty. Yeah. But that's actually a good question because I feel like I feel like there's a – I mean, you have the Onias of the world, the Uri, uh, Urias, Yeah, a lot of, of right-handed bats. Yeah, so you've got to mix in a lefty here and there. So, yeah. you know, hey, that's uh, that's something to think about down the road. 
Yeah, that's sure. a good point, too, because one of the Padres' undoings in 2015, among other uh, laundry list of reasons, uh, was they were very, 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 very right-handed. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a, that's an actual a, a great idea on uh, uh, Craig Meddy. At Craig Meddy, give him a follow yeah. uh, for us. A very good uh, concern. But I, I think I think it'll be internal with the guys we've mentioned, if not um, – going uh, a trade route depending on who they move this year or possibly next year. Right. Yeah, and then there's um, also another one here. Um, a couple of these kind of tie in together. It's kind of the hot topic of the uh, the flavor of the flavor of the month, so to speak. But I'll get to the first part here. This is from A. Cal at Real Brown Lotus. He says, possible call-ups for this fall. Uh, that's the first part. And the next part I'll kind of tie in with another tweet. So for the fall, without because we're kind of running short on time, without diving into all these friggin' numbers you have down, who do you think can be called up this fall? Well, I'll be honest with you, uh, Mr. At Real Brown Lotus. It's uh, really bleak. Yeah, <laughs> it is. All the talents in double A or lower. Um, honestly, if they're going to call anybody up, it's going to be pitchers. So that's Michael Kelly, Walker Lockett, Kyle Lloyd. All three of those guys, I believe, are either in double A AA or triple A. They're all in their mid-20s, and they're right on the brink. Uh, Michael Kelly's been in the system. This is his sixth season. So and I had no idea it was that long. Yeah, and I was actually you know, talking with our good friend Kevin Charity, who I've been good friends with for a number of years now. Um, he had brought him up before even our Arizona trip, talking about how he thought he was going to get released, and then he kind of turned it on last year. But I see him coming up. Walker Lockett's been a kid that – you know, baseball prospectus or baseball America's name dropped in terms of being an up and down guy. And then Kyle Lloyd, basically just low end reinforcements to bring up uh, because they need some kind of pitching and some kind of arms. I have one. I know you do. Carter Caps. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say Luis Urias. <laughs> no. No, let him finish the year where he's at. Carter Caps. He's, he's. I mean, if you look at his overall numbers, I think he's pitching well. I mean, he's not really a call-up because he's not a guy that's coming up. Well, he, I mean, he's coming up from the minors, but It's he's so weird he's working. in the minors still, right? Is he still hurt, technically? I don't know. Our, our fearless you know leaders in the front office aren't saying much I think anything. he is. I think he's coming back from an ankle injury, which well, yeah, I think was faked because, well, he hurt his ankle because he's trying to fix his delivery. Yeah, he's coming back from injury, but yeah, I think that's the guy who's gonna, you're going to see at some point before the year's over. That's and, a good point. And I'll be interested to see. And then also tying in from uh, at Real Brown Lotus also ties in with uh, our good pal at 13 Mazone, Andy Mazone. I think he was our first real fan. <laughs> yeah, well that's because we he just wanted to pitch on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. And we've known, I've known him for about 13 well, 13 years, something like that. I uh, actually coached him and uh, very much regretted taking the job. <laughs> Anyways, um, so he asks, what about what package and this is kind of funny Jagoff had a field day with this what package would you like for hand <laughs> I just got it right I saw the Jagoff response but I didn't put two and together yeah and then also tying that together again with that real brown lotus um, he wants to know uh, returns for Cahill hand Maurer and or Yates alright so I gotta make this quick because we're running out of time I don't think Maurer Yates get traded I think that's next year uh, for hand, top 100 prospect, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers. And for Cahill, probably a couple lottery tickets and a fringe major leaguer. Really? You think that much from Cahill? Probably. That's a lot. I feel like that would be what we're getting back from hand. I feel like we may not get as much back as what we'd hope for hand. I think they'll get one solid prospect for hand. For Cahill, maybe it'll be either maybe it'll be a lottery ticket and a fringe major leaguer. I think they'll get a fringe major leaguer back in one way or the other. But I think Cahill's going to be more like 
real raw, you know, talent that nobody knows about and you hope develops. Kind of like a like a Gene Cosme type, which is what they got back for Despagne. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'd take that too. So one last one last one uh, here, kind of kind of fun thing uh, from Jake Tremblay at Jake Lobito, and he actually gave us a shout out earlier in the week, saying that we're one of his favorite pottery podcasts. Well, thank so you, we, sir. We appreciate you checking in. Thanks for listening, and we appreciate the feedback. Better be the favorite after this episode. <laughs> so he wants to know who is the heart and hustle of your podcast. <laughs> There's no heart and hustle in here. If you Let's saw how put much it we this weighed. way. Let's put it this way. When we play baseball on Sundays, if and when I get on first base, I call for a runner to come out and run the bases for me. And the only reason so that'll I don't, tell you all that you need to know. Uh, the only reason I don't is because we have another 40 year old guy who gets on base <laughs> three times as much as I do. So I can't justify getting uh, somebody to run for me. Yeah. So I I, I think you win the heart and hustle by yeah. default. Yeah. Um, Jesse Fritz at SD Fritz. Where's my wedding invite? You're not getting one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you're not good. Oh, man. Then we're sorry. So. Yeah, you're on the fritz, buddy. See you later. <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, we got to wrap it up here. We went a lot longer than we're actually pretty much at, at the brink of how far we can go here. Yep. So uh, we're really excited to come back next week. And uh, please keep up the uh, feedback from Twitter. Find me at MiserableSDFan. Find Danny at 5.5Dan. I don't post, but I'll appreciate the follow and I'll give you one too. Yes, there we go. And also, breaking news this podcast, we've been hyping this promotion for the last couple weeks. This podcast has been spliced together two different times. If you can find where it has been sliced together, 1350 Venmode right from me. That is one beer at Petco Park. Free beer. Who doesn't want a free beer? Do I qualify for this? No, you don't. So it has been spliced twice. Actually, one of the times I was laughing so goddamn hard, the recorder fell off my lap. If you can find where that has been spliced together, you let us know. If you get it right, you get a free beer on me. We'll check in next week. We're out of here.